Welcome to Next Steps, the midweek podcast from Blockhawk Church. Over the course of the 10 weeks that we're in our Rooted series, we're going to be responding to your questions about the message from Sunday or other questions related to the topic that was covered. If you didn't get a chance to check out this past weekend's message, you can find that on this same podcast channel or watch online at blockhawkchurch.org. So with that, let's hand it over now to our pastors who will be responding to the questions that came in this past week. And hey everyone, it's actually still me. Uh, You're stuck with me. I'm Chris. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. And with me in the room is uh, Pastor Daniel Owen, the lead pastor of Blackhawk Fitchburg. Daniel, how are you doing this morning? Hey, I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. It's a beautiful day outside. I'm glad to be here with you. Yeah, had a good uh, long 4th of July weekend. This is kind of the first thing uh, Tuesday morning that we're doing as we jump back in. So nothing like answering some deep theological questions uh, starting off the week. Um, Well, this past Sunday, Pastor Matt talked about the topic of, well, God. Uh, And today we're going to be digging into some of those questions that you all submitted since Sunday. Uh, And let me just say thanks so much to those who submitted questions. I know that this can be kind of vulnerable to to do that, uh, but trust me, you are not the only person asking these questions. Um, And this is a safe place uh, at at our church, at Blockhawk, to to press into those things, to question, to doubt, to try to find answers. Um, So thanks so much to, to those that sent those in. Um, All right. Well, we're not going to kind of waste much time here. Let's jump right in and get to some of those questions. So the first one uh, today comes from Will, who wrote this. He says, hi, I'm somewhat new to the Madison area and have been going to Blackhawk for the past three Sundays. Welcome, Will. Thanks for joining us. Uh, He says this. He says, my question is, what is the point of creation? Like there is no need for him to create the physical universe and what's in it. Uh, humans certainly bring nothing to the table mm-hmm. when it comes to God. Um, man, good, good question. Good question. Yeah, it's good a really good question. Well, um, <laughs> Daniel, you want to want to take a stab at that one? Well, yeah. I mean, thanks for that question, uh, Will. And you know, it's one. Uh, you, it's one I think that everybody has to think about, right? You have to think about, okay, so why are we here? What is the point of all of this? Um, what is the point of creation? You know, what we see in scripture, quite honestly, is, a, is an answer that's consistent, is that, that God created the world for his glory. Hmm. Um, in Isaiah 43, 7, it says, Everyone who's called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. Like Psalm 19 the heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaim His handiwork. So, it seems pretty clear that we were made for His glory. Mm. But I don't know about you, but glory is like okay. Well, what does but what does that mean? Yeah, you know. And I don't know. I I tend to think about like you know. I just think there's a lot of meaning. There's a lot of of purpose in a sense of creating. You know, and we. Um, you know, I got two kids. I mean, and yes, there's uh, when, you know, we decided to have children. We were fortunate enough to be able to have children. That's not true for everyone. And so there's a lot of sac- sacrifices. There's a lot that, you know, <laughs> that comes along with that. But there's a lot of meaning. Mm. You know, I get to share an amazing experiences uh, with them. And that wouldn't be possible without them in my life in that way. Yeah. I mean, what do good. you, what do you think, Chris? Yeah. Yeah. We were talking about this 
earlier with kind of the, the kids example of things. Um, I'm going to take a maybe step back even. So uh, when we study theology, um, one of the things that often gets talked about is that God is, he, he exists in the form of the Trinity of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so even before anything was created, God had perfect community, perfect love, perfect relationship within himself. So so yeah, he didn't need humans. He didn't need to create anything. Um, but there's something about who God is and his nature that um, he's a creative God. So mm-hmm. he, he, he wants to create and he also wants others to be able to share and to, to participate in, in that community and in that same love that, that he has. So yeah, I think the kid example is a, is a great one. Um, my wife and I also have two kids. Um, we didn't need to have kids right. to be more fulfilled uh, or that type of thing, um, but we wanted to we wanted to bring more little humans into this this community right. into this family that we had that they would be able to um, to share in that. And there's also something a part of our nature that I think we get from God that like we we're created to to steward and to care mm-hmm. for care for the earth, care for right. for people, and that kind of thing. And that expresses itself in in us being able to. Um, create these little humans and, and care for them. And I think um, in some ways, yeah, God in this act of creation is, is, is kind of similar to that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, you know, God certainly was perfect in and of himself. There's no doubt about that. One of the things I've been learning in my own life, and it this kind of applies to like the July 4th weekend, you know, we get together when we have a lot of people, we kind of come together and we create this kind of gathering it certainly can be messy, right? Because <laughs> things just won't go as they were planned or some of the food didn't turn out right or something like that. But like I would say, like there's just a lot of meaning, mm-hmm. you know? Um, like if we didn't create this thing, maybe there's more freedom because you wouldn't, you know, you could just do whatever, but you kind of lack the meaning that gets created yeah, yeah. by the creation of things. And so, yeah, for sure. I don't know. That could be just kind of an interesting picture. Yeah, Matt, in his message, he put up this slide um, with all the different topics throughout this series that we'll go through, but how God is the author of the gospel and all of these things related to the gospel. But um, obviously, sin enters into the story. Things didn't go uh, quite according to to plan. The, the plot, um, there's definitely conflict and, and mm-hmm. that kind of thing. But from the very beginning of time, God has a, has a plan to address that so um so will maybe there maybe there isn't a question within the question but i kind of feel like part of what you're asking is like why would he still go through with it when things are going to get so messy right like it's going to get bad and there's going to be pain and hardship so so why do it um and i I was going to say he certainly created more work for himself right you know what i mean yeah (laughs) yeah exactly yeah um, so again, analogies and, and metaphors only go so far. So maybe this isn't a great one. But I, um, so we have a six-year-old uh, golden retriever. But I kind of, it's kind of like owning a a pet or a a dog mm-hmm. a little bit. Like when she was a puppy. This is kind of morbid. Maybe I'm just a super pessimistic <laughs> person. But like she was so fun and we loved having her. But I would also from from some of the first days that we had her. Um, I would have these images in my mind of like what it would be like to say goodbye to her. Like there's something mm-hmm. about being a pet owner or even a parent that mm-hmm. you know is going to involve pain, mm-hmm. maybe even even death. Mm-hmm. Um, there's going to be mess and, and all sorts of things. Um, but we still chose to 
to to have Maddie, our, our dog, because of the, the moments that we do get to enjoy with her and the love that we get to share with her and with our kids. Again, right. same same kind of right. analogy. Um, so, so, yeah, he looked at all of the mess that was going to happen and still said, like, it is worth it for them to be able to enjoy me, for me to be able to enjoy um, relationship with them, uh, which is kind of mind-blowing. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. Uh, well, the next question comes from Rachel, who, um, going a different direction, she asks this, and I'm para- paraphrasing a bit. How does God reveal himself through nature and science, or does he reveal himself through those things? Uh, what should be our relationship with science? Um, and Rachel, uh, I think from your email, it sounds like you are a scientist yourself. So um, thanks so much for that question and, and for, for what you do. I can tell you're trying to, to dig in and, and kind of try to connect the dots with what you do for a living and what you're passionate about with your, with your faith. So um, yeah, great question. Daniel, any thoughts on that one? Yeah, I mean, again, kind of back to scripture, you know, the, the Psalm 19 that I was, I was talking about before, you know, the heavens declare the glory of God, the sky above proclaims his handiwork. You know, it it does seem to, that throughout scripture that the, you know, kind of the things that God has created, nature, I mean, honestly, I think nature is just one of the main ways that we see God's handiwork. We mm-hmm. see his order. I mean, I absolutely love like Discovery Channel and like the planet Earth. <laughs> like I can't get it off. I remember I got in trouble because I had like my oldest son who's now seven, but you know, he uh, was watching one of those planet Earth shows with me and like, I was like, this is so cool. Check out this Jaguar. And then the Jaguar like totally ate something <laughs> and then he had nightmares. So, but anyway, there's like this order about world and design and creation. And I feel like that's all there for us to see God's hand and mm. for what, uh, you know, what he, he did. And, uh, you know, even there's a lot of scientists who, who really believe in God and see God. Even even Einstein uh, was known to have belief in God. Um, there's something I was reading recently in a quote uh, where it says, you know, Einstein said his science was driven by a belief in a God who reveals himself in the harmony of all that exists. Mm. Uh, that's from kind of a biography, Einstein, his life and universe. And so, And I just think that's true. Like, I just feel like we continue, as you look at nature and you look at kind of how the the natural world works, there just seems to be a lot of design and purpose. Yeah, that's good. Uh, Again, in this kind of in the study of theology, we might call this um, type of thing like general revelation, like God reveals himself um, to all people, regardless of their faith where they live um through you know things like looking up at at the stars and and just kind of feeling small or Mm -hmm. or different uh different things through creation paul talks about some of that in romans one um but yeah many of us have probably had that experience at some point in our lives whether like sitting on the top of a mountain or looking out at the ocean uh, or up at the stars that like this is one of the main things I think that drove me to faith um, later in life was that someone had to have created all of this yeah. someone powerful awesome mm-hmm. and mighty and creative someone really beautiful um, and so yeah in, in some way God reveals himself to us and and some of those things I and I definitely think part of the question was you know should we use science and scientific knowledge to better understand who God is yes yeah <laughs> like it definitely um, you know, I think uh, 
like I said, the, the way, the order, the purpose, the beauty, these are all parts of who uh, God is and mm -hmm. who his character is. You know, I, I'm not um, an artist, okay? So like, I don't have like musical talent. I mean, I can draw, I can splatter paint like the best <laughs> of them, all right? I'm pretty good at that. But uh, abstract would be the art if I did it. But, but one of the things that I see when I see the world is that God is an artist. Mm -hmm. He is an artist. I mean, look at the world. I mean, look at nature and look at all the varieties of nature. He is an artist yeah. in, in the way that he creates. So I think we definitely should use science. I love science for that reason, for understanding uh, how he did it all. Yeah, yeah. At Blockhawk, uh, again, just to reiterate, we we love science and, and we um, affirm what you're doing, Rachel. We've got a ton of scientists uh, here at the church. Science is, again, something that points us toward God. It's not at odds with our faith. Um, frequently through the last number of years, we've done these science and faith seminars. You can probably still find a lot of those talks online on our website, but we've, we've done these seminars where we've dug into some of the bigger topics related to science and faith. Um, I was looking through some of those talks randomly, uh, a few days ago and, and some of what was talked about and we covered things like creation mm -hmm. and perspectives on mm -hmm. evolution, planets, galaxies, and even black holes. Like, <laughs> so what? Like we're yeah. talking about all these things from a faith <laughs> perspective, which is pretty cool. Um, so it's not something we shy away from because, um, in the same way, all truth is God's truth and science, uh, can point us toward the beauty and the power of God. Um, and again, I, I just said this, but we have a ton of scientists uh, who are very involved here. It's not something where you have to check your intellect at the door to yeah. be able to um, to worship and to be a Christ follower. Those things can go can go hand in hand. That's right. Well, our final question that we heard uh, a couple times is something along these lines: that on Sunday, Matt talked about a God who passionately loves us and pursues us. So, how do we reconcile this view of God? And the God of the Old Testament, who seems to be violent, uh, even wiping out entire groups of people. Um, so, yeah, happy one to, to end on on this uh, yeah. uh, week following the 4th of July weekend. I've kind of put you on the spot the last couple of times. So I'll just start out by saying, oh, man, again, good question. And like, I, I feel you, like I, I get mm -hmm. it. I've, I've mm -hmm. wrestled with, um, with that question, especially over the last few years. It's definitely something that, that I've dug into and it's hard. I almost don't want to give a bunch of like specific, uh, answers to this because yeah, yeah there's a, uh, a tension there. That's definitely something to navigate. So just wanted to affirm the question before we even got much deeper into that. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, you know, it's a challenging one. I think um, it, I, I run across these in my own faith walk a lot of like when I'm starting to figure out or I start to ask the question like why, you know, it, it puts me in the position of needing to understand and know the mind of God uh, to an extent. And um, I can I can certainly, you know, put the pieces together and I can certainly try to to read things correctly. I think one of the things when we, we read the Old Testament is, is making sure we're reading things in context. We're reading them with the kind of the broader vision in mind yeah. uh, versus just like, you know, getting on like a microscope level of one text, one verse, one moment, mm -hmm. when really it's more 
about the story and the and the kind of the narrative uh, of what's going on in it. Um, but I've always it, it is challenging, and as you said, I think there's certainly uh, a tension to it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, again, in the next few minutes, we're not necessarily going to give a bunch of specific satisfying answers. But yeah, I think there's a few helpful things that we can can talk about a little bit. And the first one that I thought of was that the culture of the ancient Near East that um, that the, much of the Old Testament is, is written in, is situated in, um, is such that, that gods and violence are enmeshed with each other and go hand in hand. Like whoever won the most battles, whoever was victorious, mm-hmm. well, clearly it was their, their God that was, was strongest and, and that kind of thing. So, um, so some scholars, theologians, whether we entirely agree with them or not, I'm just throwing this perspective out there just to, to show that it's out there. We'll say that some of this is some of the personality of the authors of those texts coming through who are steeped in this kind of culture and view God in this way. So, th- so there's this tension the, the authors of, um, you know, of Joshua and judges and all these different texts are, um, they're used to this kind of view of, of a God. Well, of course he goes with me in battle and he destroys my enemies and, and all this kind of stuff. And so there's always that kind of embedded in the text and there's a tension there and it's um, kind of, it's a difficult thing to, to navigate and to work through. Uh, but like Daniel said, I think we also have to like, we have to consider context and, and not be just like honed in via a microscope on a, a single verse or something like that. Um, because, well, here's an example. Um, I studied uh, under an Old Testament professor named Richard Hess. This is one of the things that he talks about. He often writes and talks about um, kind of this idea of did, did God commit genocide and that kind of mm-hmm. thing. You're smiling at me. I think you studied I, under Hess I think Hess I studied too, under right? him as well. Um, so he, this is one of the things that he often points out is that um, people often point to the destruction of the Canaanites, that people group, and you know it's easy to call that a genocide. But again, we have to look at the context. So going all the way back to Genesis 47, God actually uses Joseph, an Israelite, um, to save the entire region from famine. And it specifically says that, you know, Egypt and, and Canaan would have, would have perished in that famine. But Joseph is in a position of leadership in Egypt and, and helps to provide food. Um, so in his mercy, God uses his people. He uses Joseph to save those in Canaan and Egypt. He clearly loves them and mm-hmm. he, he cares for them too. We see this all throughout the the Bible, even the Old Testament of a God who, who loves the nations and cares for them. Um, so why several generations later would then he go on this genocidal rampage and, and wipe these people out? Um, well, again, context, because uh, Dr. Hess and others would make the argument that everyone else, these surrounding nations are attacking the Israelites. They're on the defensive um, as the Canaanites and other nations are are closing in on them. So again, that's just one example of like, um, maybe not a completely satisfying answer, but when we look at these different stories and these different texts, whether it's the flood or Jericho or these different kinds of things, we got to look at the whole story and, yeah. and the bigger picture um, and see what it is that, that that God is doing. And I think, you know, even furthermore, I think we know the story of Rahab, right? Yeah. You know, who's a Canaanite. And then she was included even in King David's uh, lineage. So, so not only was 
obviously not all of them were not destroyed. And then there were, obviously she was preserved mm -hmm. and, and not only just preserved, but she became part of the, the bigger narrative and story itself. And uh, even Jesus, you know, speaks about her. And so I, it's, it's hard. There's no doubt it's hard as you read it and as you try to look at it to think about what's going on here. Um, wait, God of mercy, God of love. Hmm, this seems to be different here. But there are, there are definitely pictures of mercy, definitely mm -hmm. pictures of love that are in that. And it wasn't like Israel was given a blank check to just kill whoever, whenever they wanted to. I mean, it always was around mitigating like the risk of like corruption of them and of the people of Israel. I mean, the Canaanites were, their gods were, were very violent gods. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was common for sacrifice of children. There were kind of sexual infertility types of practices that were definitely against God. And so, you know, he was protecting the people of Israel and trying to mitigate, uh, you know, them falling into those kinds of ways and following other gods uh, yeah. as well. And so, you know, there's just a lot more to the story than just uh, you have a blank check, right. you know, I do this this yeah. way. So Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, it might seem subtle at times, but there's something when you read closely that often is countercultural about who the God of the Israelites is of who, who Yahweh is and that we do see these examples of mercy, um, even in the midst of, of his justice and, and that kind of thing, whether it's Rahab or, or sparing other people from violence and that kind of thing that that's countercultural for the time. Um, and I, I think we see that only continue to ramp up through the new Testament too. For me, again, this is, this is something that I've struggled with is, is this question, um, but ultimately I like it, it's <laughs> Jesus is always the right. answer, right? Like it's helpful right. to, he to land on Jesus who is, he's the perfect representation yes. of what God is like. He's God in the flesh. Mm -hmm. Um, and in the new Testament, we see Jesus setting, um, I don't know that it's a new trajectory, but certainly a clearer one of nonviolence and telling us to be peacemakers and to love our enemies. Um, and so, yeah, I don't always have have great answers or know how to perfectly answer questions like these in every single text in, in the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. uh, but I look at Jesus and I'm like, okay, I, I trust the character of who of who Jesus is and, and, and of who God is, of this God who is just, but he's also love and he's also merciful. And he tells us to to seek the peace of, of those around us and to love our enemies and that kind of thing. And so, yeah, it's helpful for me just to land there in that place. And it seems like there's this upward trajectory of God calling us to more and to a more peaceful um, kind of way of following him and, and that kind of thing. So I don't, I don't know if that helps uh, for those that, that answered or asked that question, but um, yeah, there you go. Daniel, anything to add on that? Well, I mean, I just had the thought, you know, Matt in his message said, <clears throat> you know, God is a stubborn God. Yeah. And so, you know, in, <clears throat> I guess to follow Matt in that sense of like in his stubbornness, I mean, he was not going to let the people of Israel go mm. and he was not going to let his promises fail. Yeah. And, uh, and that's true all the way through to Jesus, right? Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, I don't know. 
that's just that's kind of a perspective just kind of thinking as matt was talking about that on sunday of being a stubborn god i don't know he would fight for the things that that he's going to come he's going to be faithful with you know Mm -hmm. and his people so that's good yeah stubborn to the point i mean if you were in the service or you saw the 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 worship afterward we sang the song reckless love Mm -hmm. of this god who pursues us even to the point of Man, the God of the universe takes this violence and this corruption onto himself and the person of Jesus on the cross. Um, you know, we can ask a lot of these different questions about these different texts and that kind of thing. But ultimately, the picture that we see is Jesus taking the consequence of that sin, taking that violence, taking that destruction upon himself mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. that we we wouldn't have to ultimately suffer that and that death and sin might be destroyed and that um yeah that we might might live uh following him and uh unified with him and and that kind of thing so yeah amen well those are uh yeah the few questions that we hope to uh to tackle again thanks so much um you guys for sending those in uh, as you hear charles speak next week on the bible uh, feel free to um, to send in more of your questions and we'll get to as many of those as we can um, so any closing words daniel anything that stood out to you just in general from from matt's message or some of the questions that came in yeah i mean matt's message was about being rooted in god and i don't know i just as i've been thinking about it I've just been reflecting on actually Psalm 1. And so I just want to read Psalm 1, 1 through 3. Um, it's this picture of this tree. And uh, I'm just thinking about being rooted. You know, yeah. there's the nature thing, right? We start, we start <laughs> going into that. So here's what Psalm 1 says. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither, whatever they do prospers. Mm. And I just have been thinking a lot about just being rooted in God, kind of being rooted in him and uh, being like that tree that's planted by streams of water and you yield the fruit like in season like when it's right it comes and your leaf doesn't wither and he sustains you Mm. and i think when this series of rooted i don't know i think that's what i'm really going to meditate on is that he sustains me yeah that's good yeah this series isn't just about um answering all these questions or gaining intellectual knowledge. I think that's a good picture to leave us with. It's being rooted in this way, like, like the tree where we can, uh, can bear fruit and thrive. That's ultimately the goal mm. is to, um, be able to draw closer in intimacy with, with the Lord and, and be able to better love him and to love others. So thanks for that. Well, that's all for this week. Um, Thanks for tuning in to this Rooted Question and Response episode on the podcast. Join us for worship online or in person on Sunday, and then we'll see you back here next Wednesday to respond to another round of questions. Have a great week.